This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? Hercule Poirot, I've found something. I've looked at it from every which way. I am the smartest person I ever met, and I can't figure it out, so I came to the second. You are up to something, my friend. I've seen a million of these so-called psychics, each one a fake. I do not believe in psychics. Spot the con, I can't. Detective, you are here to discredit me. No one shall leave until I find if the living have been killed by the dead. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And together we are talking about the latest from director star Kenneth Branagh, um, who has been busy adapting the <laughs> bunch of Agatha Christie novels. Uh, we, of course, remember Murder on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile, and this is the latest, A Haunting in Venice. So I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I must say that I don't know whether I would say I'm going to remember very much of it a few weeks from now, but I enjoyed it a lot more than A Death on the in the Nile, on the Nile, something on the Nile. Um, for me, this and Murder on the Orient Express are kind of neck and neck. So... I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm bashing the movie because I'm not. Um, but why was the movie so unnecessarily dry? Like, like it's a good movie. Like, objectively, I think it's a good movie, lah. You know, but and I'm glad we saw it in the cinema. But it's so so dry and monotonous um, and completely out of sync with the previous movies, right? And the vibe of the previous movies. Or I don't know if I'm forgetting the previous movies, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's a fun enough movie, but throughout, I just kept thinking like, why did they make this movie so bleak for no reason? It, they've been increasing in bleakness, right? Um, so, okay, before... What, what do we do? What do we do? Do we do a summary first? No, wait, let's address it. Because the, the previous film had um, a moustacheless Poirot, remember? Like lamenting a lost love. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. You know, having the whole thing be about the pain of love. And I think that... In fact, in this movie, um, people outright call him a silly Belgian detective, which is often how the character of Hercule Poirot is viewed um, in in the Agatha Christie bibliography. Um, you know, he's seen as a very particular character. And I feel as if Kenneth Branagh, who is, is he Oscar winning? He's probably, he he's Oscar winning, yeah, is he not? He probably is. Yeah, you know, Kenneth Branagh, star of stage and screen, is trying to imbue the character with more gravitas than was written on the page. That's how it feels. I so, think it's been creeping in. <laughs> so for me, actually, I didn't mind the vibe of the film. The first, so Murder on the Orient Express was madcap mystery. I think you can safely call it that. You also don't really feel much for any of the characters. And then Death on the Nile had like the whole Poirot flashback, but you still don't really feel anything for the characters involved in the actual mystery. Also had Army Hammer, and yeah, I think that had a problematic yeah. time. And then Gal Gadot mm. just being Gal Gadot. Um, this one, actually what I liked about it was I felt like they seemed like real characters in a real story. Um, I felt bad for the things that happened to some people. Uh, I felt sad for the things that happened to some people. And overall, I think the haunting aspect of it um, 
for me, I didn't mind the bleakness because it fit in. It felt semi like one of those classic mysteries where, oh my God, is it a ghost? Is it a haunting? Um, I thought that vibe lined out well. So Haunting in Venice takes place in, surprise, Venice. <laughs> um, and it finds Hercule Poirot living in self-imposed exile, deciding that he just doesn't want to take cases on anymore. He just wants to live a quiet life, eating pastries and unbalanced eggs. And then um, somehow through it all, an old friend who is an Agatha Christie stand-in in the form of Tina Fey, a mystery writer, finds him and persuades him to come out to a seance um, in a haunted house in a mansion that's well known for its tragedies and hauntings um, and invites him there to assess whether or not the medium played by Michelle Yeoh is in fact a fraud or whether there's something more to it. However, the night that that happens someone dies and then other people die and as usual Hercule Poirot says nobody leaves until I've solved this mystery except in a Belgian French accent <laughs> and then the movie unspools from there which is where the ghost mm. or not ghost really enters the thing can I just say more movies more and more and more movies of Michelle Yeoh just in all kinds of period cinema outfits because she looked so good yeah. she and was wigs. so good in this role and wigs so cool I loved her in this particular role um I enjoyed the lockbox mystery. So, of course, a, a creepy house where everything's falling apart and where they're like mysterious water drips and things turn up and you don't expect it and crash and all that is peak horror cinema. Um, I think I very much enjoyed the the house itself and the vibe of the the way it was shot. There's one scene where they shoot a child's bedroom from a particular angle that makes it look like a huge ballroom. Um, there's just something very interesting about the way the house looks, which adds so much to the feel of the movie. So I think that was my favorite thing about the movie, like adding the supernatural twist um, as a wild card. Because we've seen, like we've seen Hercule, 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 uh, Hercule, <laughs> solve uh, murder mysteries. Hercules, right? as Tina Fey just doesn't, Hercules, Hercules. doesn't try. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen Hercules solve uh, murder mysteries um, and we've seen him be like a detective in two cases, but putting like this logic based detective face to face with something that challenges his beliefs and his logic was such a clever move. I thought that was like really, really good. Uh, of course, based on like Ag uh, Agatha Christie's uh, book. And I think because of that, I was expecting more Scooby-Doo. Um, than the vibe that this movie was going for. I thought we would get more comedy, especially since Tina Fey is also in it, but she's playing more serious. Um, and I definitely thought the vibe would be more spooky, but also funny uh, with some drama and, and very uh, clue-like. Also, Tina Fey, I think, has carved like a new niche for herself, right? Like podcasters or writers surrounded by murder and goofy detectives. And I don't know why that's on her resume now. I don't know either, but I really enjoyed her in the film. So yeah. um, I, I have, uh, I've told you both that my experience of haunting in Venice was unfortunately haunted by the real <laughs> children's horrors, um, which is of people inappropriately bringing children to the cinema and then letting them run a and talk, 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 talk through the entire film. And so I feel bad reviewing it almost because I'm not actually sure that I have a, um, a proper, unbiased, professional opinion that is free from the cinema experience. I think I enjoyed the movie. I, 
I think for me, murder is still the high point. Murder on the Orient Express is still the, the best iteration of uh, what Kenneth Branagh has been doing. And it meets, I think, Arvind, the tone that you're, you're talking about of being quite serious and sad, but also fun and madcap. Mm-hmm. Haunting in Venice, uh, I liked the... I like the horror elements. I think that those were the most successful parts of it. Um, The problem with having a detective who is slightly impaired and doubting himself, though, is that because he is the audience avatar, um, I sometimes felt a bit discombobulated and not in a good way. I don't know, actually, whether any of these movies have ever quite nailed what to do with Poirot, to be honest, and how he solves the mystery. Because in each one... Like, it's fun enough, but it's never great. It's never that moment of release where you're like, oh, that's what happened. None of the movies actually managed to do it. Um, and I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's just, this is just something that works better when you're reading it. Uh, visual cues stick in your mind in ways that red cues don't. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I did want to say, though, that opposite to your experience, I watched the movie on a weekday morning in a completely empty cinema. So I literally watched a a supposed horror film by myself in a theatre and I think that added a lot to it because every thump and child giggling in the background actually was quite creepy for me. Um, And that, I think think it's a vibe film and I think that if you're looking for a fun cinema outing, I don't think you have to watch this in the cinema. But if you're looking for something to watch in the cinema, I I think this is quite a nice one. I think it's a nice one. I think it's shot nice enough that you have to see it on a big screen. or It's nicer to see it on the big screen. Um, I don't know. I think, like you said, right, I don't think they've done Hercule good enough where it's not Daniel Craig in the Knives Out or Glass Onion movies. Mm. Like, he nails it, right? Like, they, they bullseye that character. Like, they've done it twice now. Um, I think Kenneth Branagh loves playing the character. Um, he, he's, like, an awesome director. He's so versatile with these movies. Um, and it's so magnetic. But I think the fact that he spots and that iconic double-handled mustache, quadruple-fold mustache, <laughs> and he looks like a goofy cartoon character... I don't know how serious you can make that. I know there's, there's, there's stuff about PTSD and there's like trauma and there's stuff that he carries with him. But it's a line lie, you know, because he looks a certain way and he behaves a certain way and he's eccentric and plucky and colorful in a certain way. And then there's all this like baggage and backstory and trying to make him very serious and, and moody. I don't know if that jives or not. I, I like seeing him perform on screen, but like it never, it hasn't landed 100% yet. We're talking today about A Haunting in Venice, which is directed by, um, and he stars in it as well, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, It also features, because that's always the case with these Agatha Christie movies, um, a bunch of other people, including Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey, Michelle Yeoh, Kelly Riley. Uh, We'll come back and discuss more about the film, which we have, I, I would think it's fair to say a mixed review of. Um, Let us know, have you watched it yet? Uh, Do you enjoy these series of Branagh Christie collabs? Uh, You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin fun moments. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You can't trap us here. Somebody is dead. No one shall leave this place until I know who did it. A ghost killed her. There must be a rational answer for all of this. Just admit that you are up against something bigger than you. Something in this house tried to kill me. 
Don't look at me like I'm suspect. We're old friends. Every murderer is somebody's old friend. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmilan Arvin and we're talking about A Haunting in Venice, uh, the latest Agatha Christie outing by Kenneth Branagh. Um, and I think for me, Tina Fey was a weird highlight in the performances. I didn't expect it necessarily, not because I don't think she's a good actress, but because I still think of her primarily as Liz Lemon. And so every role is just Tina Fey playing Liz Lemon. Um, also, oddly, two weeks in a row of us reviewing a film she's in despite her not being the most prolific person um but yeah right yeah and and she's quite different in both um but i actually thought she brought more complexity to her role as the is he is she his friend is she not um his second in command the the writer the writer who has um you know a need for a big hit, all that stuff. I actually really enjoyed the shades that she brought to her her performance. I loved Tina Fey in this film. I already said I loved Michelle Yeoh. Um, both of them made me angry at Gal Gadot unreasonably. Um, partly because I just think that it really shows when you cast good actors in movies like these, that even with smaller roles, even when they're not in every frame, and they're not just relying on their looks and their off-screen um, you know, fame to shine them through the film, I think you can actually see how a story like this can come to life. Um, You said that a lot of the movies bleak, Arvind, but there are these moments between Tina Fey and Kenneth Branagh uh, where they're just like these lines that are so great and so sharply delivered. Um, I, I loved watching Tina Fey and Michelle Yeoh. Every time I see Tina Fey in any kind of character, I, I hear the 30 Rock theme in my head, um, <laughs> which is always fun. Uh, for you guys, right, what is the most important thing in a whodunit? Is it the mystery or the star power? Because I, I have a clear answer. Mm. In a movie like this, maybe not so much the mystery. I found that like with mm. with with these particular films, I often know what what the answer is going to be by the end. I was so angry that I solved it, okay? <laughs> Same. So mad. Like I am not even able to pay full attention to it because children, um, children and negligent parents, this is a PSA. Please stop doing this to me. Please stop doing this to your fellow cinema goers. Anyways, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> I got carried away there. I it apologize. It is a movie about children being unruly. Yes, so in some on ways. Brand. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Despite being distracted, I solved the mystery. And I believe that if I can do it, anybody can do it. And that disappointed me. No, I solved the mystery. Well, I didn't solve it. I had a reasonable idea. I figured out a lot of things by the end. But I didn't mind. I, I, I kind of solved it. They go somewhere and then they keep saying they keep saying something and I'm like, stop saying it. I, I get it. Like, stop with the clues, you know, and, and, and you know. Uh, but so that's why I asked because I think like the, the star power is very, very important in these movies. I think that's why Knives Out is on a whole other league, right? Because you see like famous faces uh, playing like quirky roles or weird roles, you know, in costume, in wigs, doing, doing funny things. Um, I loved watching Tina Fey. I loved watching Michelle Yeoh. But I think this movie needed a couple of extra big stars. And I mean like big, big recognizable stars, right? Um, playing the suspects. Um, which is why I get excited for these kinds of ensembles and these kinds of movies because you see them playing those roles. I don't think this movie had enough star power. So, you know, having said all that, um, agreeing with you, 
I would watch this again, you know, if it comes on. I, I wouldn't pay mm. to go to the cinema again, but I would certainly rewatch it if and when it comes on um, on a streaming platform or on if it just pops up on a channel, I would totally watch it. If Kenneth Branagh said he were doing another one, I'm not sure, has he said? Not yet. Yeah. Um, if he said he were doing another one, that he's going to return as Poirot, despite agreeing again with you, Arvin, that I don't think that the tone has quite landed... I'd be all for it and I'd be at the cinema again. I don't know. There's something weirdly seductive about these movies. I think because they don't require that much from you. No, same. They're just very entertaining and yeah, they, they yeah. mean to entertain. I think that's why. And they're beautiful. Oh my gosh, Venice is so beautiful in this film. Well, what you see of it. Yes. Well, both yeah. at the beginning and at the end. Yes. <laughs> and then you're stuck in a creepy house, which is also okay. Um, no, I, I completely agree. There's actually something about these movies that I think as many as they made, as long as they don't bomb. And we're talking about two movies that has so far had two major stars sort of bomb off screen quite badly. And still they managed to go on. Um, I would watch as many of these as they can make, I think. I would also, um, but I think I would like them better if they were on streaming. Um, even though I said I enjoyed watching this in the cinema, I think these movies are perfect for a streaming service or streaming drops. I even think these movies are perfect as a series, like a, I a short they seasons. would drop in 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 quality once they become if they become a streaming thing. That that oh, right. that they need the big screen, uh, not just budget but mentality. Because the actually one of the fun things about watching them is Kenneth Branagh. On screen, sure, right? He's full-on eccentric. He's running around with the, the insane facial hair and the eggs. <laughs> and, and that's what you want from Poirot. But I think where he's really flexing is in the generic play behind the camera because you get to see him do different things in each, right? In Orient Express, he's playing with the idea of trains and, and the ways in which the film is shot, how it takes advantage of the cabins, how it takes advantage of um, aerial shots and action shots is quite specific to the fact that it takes place on a train. Similarly, in this one, the opening sequence is straight out of Hitchcock, right? Um, the off-kilter, mm -hmm. the well, the literal birds. There, there are a lot of little nods and things to the different genre possibilities that live within each book adaptation. And I really like that. And for that reason, I'm a little bit sad to agree on the streaming thing. I mean, I get where you're coming from. It is exactly a home movie. But I feel like we lose Kenneth Branagh going, ooh, where's this one set? What can I do with this, you know, if, if we switched? Yeah, I mean, you know, yesterday I talked about how talented Mr. Ripley and how they don't make movies like these for the big screen anymore. And I think I would be a little sad if they didn't make movies like these for the big screen also. Because, I mean, Glass Onion, for instance, was mm. straight to streaming, gun, And that would have been great fun too for a cinema outing. Oh, for sure. And, if, and also listening to the score on the speakers, uh, Hildur Guanadotir, mm -hmm. I hope I'm saying her last name, yeah, um, love, love, love the music. The music was like creepy enough. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah. Streaming. Uh, That's when, why. When her name... You got the director's, non-director's non -director's cut. cut. When her name showed up at the end, I was like, she scored it. <laughs> and I was so sad that I missed out on somebody whose scores I typically really enjoy. I feel bad for you. It's okay, the Spotify. Yeah. The, there's this YouTube. No, but also, I, know, I, I think yeah. it will come on streaming and hopefully you get to watch it again. Yes, yes. And then I will yeah. return to this and go, oh... What kind of review was that? You missed so much. <laughs> and I'll know who to blame. 
so, okay, we've established we would like more of these. We've established that despite the fact that we don't feel that they're the highest, highest quality films that works. So overall, right now, since it's still in cinemas, should people go and see it in a cinema? I think so. I think so. With friends or family, I think it'll be fun. I think so. Um, and I also think so because it's a dry season in the cinema. So nothing nothing really big coming out. So this is a good choice. Uh, I would say so as well. And I would just add on to my fellow cowards that despite the fact that it has a lot of horror movie trappings, it's not that scary. It's oh, scary, no, yeah. but it's not that mm-hmm. scary. So um, if you are avoiding because of horror movie trepidation, that there's no real need for that. So we have been talking today about A Haunting in Venice. Let us know if you've watched it and if you liked it. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.